Pastor Ray Bentley has important advice for last days believers from Jesus Christ himself. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I want you to notice the way of escape by watching. Watch your life. Watch that you're not in the flesh. Spread the news of his people coming down before the King. Lift your voice. Jesus is coming. Join the song. Sing along. Let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. News travels fast in today's world. It happens in seconds. Often social media and the blogosphere break stories before cable news. No matter how fast the news goes around the world, when Jesus returns, it will be sudden and without warning. Today, Pastor Ray helps us be ready. Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 29. It says, then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Now, there's a couple of things in here. First of all, uh, you you have this fig tree as the parable, and and as we just mentioned, it's symbolic of the nation of Israel. Because of their, they've already, the leadership of Israel has already decided uh, to kill Jesus. They're only arguing, you know, can we do it before the Passover or should we wait till afterwards? They're debating on when to do it. And Jesus, who is in control of the whole situation, says, no, it's not on your timetable. I am come at the will of my Father. It will happen on Passover at the exact right time because he is the Passover lamb. And as a result of that rejection, God already foreknew what was going to happen. And as a result, though, the judgment would come upon uh, the city of Jerusalem in 70 AD. The Romans would come in. That would be destroyed. The temple would be torn down. And Israel would lose its entire national statehood. And the Jews would then be scattered or dispersed from that little tiny country in Israel, literally through the four winds, north, south, east, and west, to the ends of the earth for the next 2,000 years. So as Jesus was going by and making his way, there's a fig tree. Well, all of the Jews then would know, ah, the fig tree has a deeper significance. Prophetically, talking about every man under his vine and his fig tree was a prophetic way of saying that when the kingdom age comes, everyone will have everything that they need. So Jesus now coming to this tree and cursing this fig tree, if it has that national symbolic, deeper meaning of Israel, it was a deliberate sign on Jesus' part to say the messianic age, which everybody was all hyped up and excited about, has not come yet. 2,000 years ago, 
when Jesus came and when he was on the earth, many of them thought the kingdom, the messianic age was gonna start right away. And the lion will lie down with the lamb and there'll be no hurt or harm in all of my holy mountain and it'll be, it'll be awesome. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not gonna happen now. The kingdom of heaven will be within you by the Holy Spirit to those who have faith and those who receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. But the messianic age has not come yet. But even in the midst of that, he says, but when the fig tree begins to blossom or bud forth, okay, so now he's saying for this generation, not gonna happen, but in the future, when you see nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom and World War I followed right on its heels with World War II, and then in 1948, three years after the end of World War II, and after Hitler killed six million Jews, who in their right mind would have ever dreamed or been able to predict, you know, three years from now, what the Jews have not had for 2,000 years, they're going to have their own Jewish state in their original homeland where Jesus himself walked the streets of Jerusalem and did miracles. No one would have ever been able to dream that. Jesus now says, know this, when you see all of the trees blossoming, you know that summer is coming. And my, so when you see these things begin to happen, know that my coming is near even at the door, and then let me single out the fig tree, hello, that should be sending blinking lights to anybody who knows the Bible. When Israel begins to blossom and bud forth, know this, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Now the word generation is a very interesting one. The word generation can mean a national or ethnic group. In other words, it could be that God is saying this, not just this generation as we think of it, but this people, the Jewish people, will be preserved or not pass away even though they don't have a homeland until all these things be fulfilled. And that could be one possible meaning or interpretation. But God said that I will keep the Jewish identity even though they don't have a land and even though they don't have a home, wherever they go around the world, even if it's 2,000 years, they will retain their identity. So in that sense, that prophecy has been fulfilled. And it is a miracle that people without a homeland for thousands of years could maintain their ethnic identity. It is absolutely unprecedented in history. How many of you have met recently a Hittite? Have you read about them in the Bible? What happened to them? They lost their homeland and they disappeared. There are no Hittites. But how many of you know or have met a Jewish person? God has preserved his Jewish people and brought them back. And this lets us know the time of the end is drawing near. Now, obvious question. That's one meaning of generation, but generation has another meaning. Generation is like when a particular people is born and then when that particular generation dies off. Uh, how many of you have heard of the baby boom generation? You know, and then the X generation, the Y generation, and on it goes. So how long then is a generation? Jesus says this generation that sees this miracle, this super sign, the blossoming, the fulfillment, or at least the beginnings of the fulfillment of Ezekiel's prophecy. How long is the generation and when does it start? I don't know. <laughs> a generation can be 20 years. It can be 40 years. Remember the generation that was in the wilderness and wandered around for 40 years and God kind of judged them and they had a short generation, 40 years and they were gone. 
It can be 70 years, it could be 80 years. In the days of Abraham, it was 100 years. The children, Abraham, your descendants, will be down in the line of Egypt for four generations. Well, they were there a little over 400 years, so it was about 100 years. So I don't know exactly how long it is. Yet Jesus is referring to the generation that would be alive, I believe, on the earth at the time all of these things are taking place. And he doesn't want to get you know, too defined on that, but he does want us to be able to say it's near. <laughs> and there is no people alive like this generation. We have never been near the coming again of Jesus Christ to the earth than we are right now. Amen? Now, I do want to share with you something that I think is uh, interesting. I have a very interesting pattern that I want to share with you. Okay, we talked about World War I. World War I was from 1914 to 1918. If World War I was the beginning of the sign that Jesus gave that the end of the age is happening, because that's where nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, he goes, now that is the sign the end of the age has begun. We talked about that's World War. So we start with World War I. What was it that precipitated World War I? And I believe it was a meeting in Basel, Switzerland, actually in 1897. And it was the first Zionist uh, Congress. And it was started by a man named Theodore Herzl. And Theodore Herzl said, you know what? We Jews have been you know, uh, kicked and beaten it's time for us to have a homeland. We need a place where we can kind of take care of ourselves and, and be able to look after our own people. And God used this man, Theodore Herzl, in 1897. He made an interesting prediction. He said within 50 years, he didn't say I'm a prophet. He, didn't even, he wasn't even a religious guy, but he made a prediction. He said within 50 years, there will be a national Jewish homeland for the first time in 2,000 years. Now, you know, what's amazing is I've given you the date of uh, uh, May 14th, 1948, but actually the United Nations resolution was in 1947. 1897 and then 1947. Isn't it interesting that, that this guy's prediction, almost like a prophecy, came true within 50 years? The nation of Israel came to pass. So if that's what God is starting to rearrange the earth with World War I and then World War II rearranged it again in preparation for the rebirth of Israel, something happened in 1917 that was very significant. 1917, in the middle or toward the end of World War I, did you know that Jerusalem was liberated from the Ottoman, Turkish, Muslim Empire? for the first time in about 400 years. Now, what's interesting about that is if you go uh, 50 years, 50 years is kind of an interesting number in the Bible. Uh, has anybody heard of the number Jubilee? Jubilee is 50 years, yeah? From 1917, when Jerusalem is liberated, you add 50, what's 17 plus 50 is 67. Did anything significant happen in Israel in 1967? Yes, it's called the Six-Day War. In that Six-Day War, Israel gained the Golan Heights to the north, the West Bank to the east, the Gaza Strip down to the west, and then they gained East Jerusalem, wherein is where the Temple Mount area is, and it's been a 
battle to this very hour. That's what the world and the leaders of the nations of the world are arguing and fighting and blaming and, you know, they're all going about. Fifty years after that, this dramatic incident came. There's only one last piece to the whole puzzle of the prophetic days that are the end of days, and that's the temple itself. And by the way, by UN resolution, we as Christians and Jews are allowed legally under UN to worship and to pray on the Temple Mount. However, we're not really allowed to do that. Jews are not allowed to go up there. I go to Israel all the time and we go up on the Temple Mount and I can't read my Bible, we can't sing a song, I can't lead in a prayer, I can't teach a Bible study. Why? Because it's controlled by the Muslims and they're the only ones that are allowed there. And so you say, well, why can't just everybody go up there and do that? Because that would start World War III. So something would have to change. But legally, by UN law and resolution, it should be. And I believe prophetically that's what the Bible says it will. And I think the temple will end up being there. And by the way, I don't think that necessarily the Dome of the Rock has to be destroyed or removed. I think if I were in Israel, if I could bring you right up to the Temple Mount, I believe that there's a place where the original temple once stood that you could build the temple and leave the Dome of the Rock right where it is. And I don't have time to go into why I believe that, but I will tell you this, if you want to write down a little scriptural reference to go check out later, read Revelation chapter 11, when John, the apostle, has the revelation of the apocalypse of the second coming of Christ, and he's told to go measure the temple, and as he's getting out his measuring line to measure the temple that is there in the city of Jerusalem, he is told, now don't measure the outer court where the Gentiles is, because it's already given to the Gentiles. So it may be that the split decision that comes is rather than destroying the Dome of the Rock and replacing it with the Jewish temple, which would cause World War III, they may split the difference and discover, oh, look, uh, the temple originally wasn't right there. It was actually a little bit to the north. You can rebuild your temple here and then the Muslims can be right there and they can be side by side, which fits very uniquely there with Revelation 11. Very interesting. Only time will tell. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We've received so many comments from listeners on what Pastor Ray's teaching and the ministry of Maranatha Radio has meant to them. Thank you, Pastor Ray, for your wonderful teaching. I still listen to you and appreciate the fact that your messages are still available. I'll pray for your family, especially your son, Pastor Daniel, for wisdom as he continues in ministry. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings, and now that of Pastor Daniel, are continuing to touch lives. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com, or post a comment on our homepage at www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Look with me in verses 34 through 36. So that's something to know. You know, you now know, and knowing you are now responsible for what you know, <laughs> the fig tree is blossoming in Israel and the whole world, they can't ignore it. Man, it's right back on the front pages 
and everybody fighting and arguing about Jerusalem and the Temple Mount and Israel itself and two states and all the rest of it. But Jesus said there's not only something to know, there's something to watch. Verse 34, he says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that that day comes on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. And then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. The importance of watching. I want you to notice the way of escape when times get really bad, the way to escape is by watching. In a word, the way of escape is watching the signs and what is happening in the world. So Jesus' first admonition after he gives all this you know, Bible study for those who are paying attention, he gives an admonition, know this, understand this. And his second admonition is, once you know this and you see it happening and the fig tree blossoming, then start watching. And he means don't just watch as in following prophetic signs, yes, do that, but he means watch your life, watch your habits, watch your lifestyle, watch your choices, watch that you're not in the flesh when this comes suddenly upon the whole world. Watch that you don't get and fall into temptation. Watch that you don't get you know, snared uh, in the flesh. Watch that you don't get snatched by the devil and eaten up by the things of the world. Throughout the, the whole, what we call Olivet Discourse, where Jesus is giving the discussion of the end times, to watch means be ready for the return of Jesus. So I ask you tonight, are you ready? Tonight, if Jesus Christ were to come tonight, is your life ready that you're ready to go stand before Christ before the great judgment of the Lord? Are you ready? Isn't that a pretty heavy thought to go stand before Jesus Christ? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and your whole life? Talk about being exposed in the light. A light so bright, unapproachable by men and your whole life seen and then you know, judged in that sense. Now in Christ, it doesn't mean judged, punished. It means our works of our life are put through the fire and if there's wood, hay and stubble, it's gonna go up in smoke. <laughs> and that that's, it could be rather embarrassing if pretty much you're just a big you know, black cloud that goes up. <laughs> now Jesus says that some will be saved as by fire. It's like almost like this little burnt little guy that's kind of, you know, whoo, you know, and he skips into heaven. I, I mean, I have a weird imagination. I just think about that. Like the guy, the thief on the cross. He went up in a puff of smoke, or he will when that day happens. He didn't get to do anything. That guy didn't get to join a church. He didn't fill out a card to become an official member. He, didn't, he never got to write a tithe check. He was being crucified. He never got baptized. He never got to go through the classes of joining any particular denomination. In fact, he didn't even say what we would call the proper sinner's prayer. He says, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And to show the heart of Jesus, Jesus turns to that guy. The other guy's yelling at Jesus. Hey, if you're the Messiah, what are you doing up on a cross? Why don't you get down with your powers and use them with me and get us out of here? He's all just selfish. And the other guy's going, you know, yells at the other guy. He goes, shut up. What are you talking about? We deserve what we're getting. This man has done nothing wrong. 
And then he looks up at Jesus and above his head is this plaque for which he's be- their crimes are right there for everybody to see. Rome put it up there. You know, murder, sedition, whatever, terrorist for those days in the Roman days. And above Jesus' head, here's his crime, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He claimed to be the Messiah. That was what they crucified him for. So this guy turns to Jesus and says, sees that, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, after being beaten from head to toe, his beard had been plucked out of his face, his crown of thorns, he'd been, they put a bag over his head, hit him, and then said, ha, prophesy, tell us who hit you. His back had been laid bare, 39 lashes. Uh, then he'd been you know, stripped and, and put up on the cross. And this guy says that, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Jesus turns to him, to that guy who deserved it, and said, today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. There's the two examples, two ways to go. Lord, remember. Do you know what that tells me? God is looking for this. You talk about a mustard seed of faith. Hey, don't forget me. Remember me. I believe you're going to your kingdom where you deserve to go. And I, I would like to go. Is there a place for me? Today you will be with me. That's as small a faith. And yet God, through Jesus, is saying, that's all I need. Aren't you glad that that's the heart of God? That tells so much about the king and the nature of the kingdom and his love and his grace and his mercy. You will be with me. Watch. In other words, watching is the the equivalent of readiness and readiness is the equivalent of salvation. Ready to stand before the son of man. It is a warning for us today because it's so easy to get weighed down with the cares of life and life is so hard. I deserve this and we dive into the world, we dive into our flesh. Jesus wants us to resist temptation. He wants us to watch and to pray, not only for ourselves, but our families and our loved ones and all those that are around us and be ready and watching and waiting and engage spiritually for his kingdom whenever he comes. The sheep will enter into the kingdom of heaven while the goats will be cast out. And some in the end of days of God's people will die during the tribulation period. Some will be heavily, brutally persecuted and some will escape and see Jesus Christ when he returns in his glory. Jesus said, you can't escape. How many wanna be part of the escape team? (laughs) I wanna be ready, Lord, to see you and have my eye upon you and ready for you. Let us listen for the sound of the trumpet and for the sound of the archangel. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. Then the dead in Christ shall arise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord. And we shall forever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with important words about knowing and watching being ready for the soon, sudden return of the Lord. Good insight today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Know and Watch. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and devo. 
Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then, after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.